Live from somewhere over the rainbow, it's the Dockiverse Podcast. Episode 30, The Wacky Fish Sandwich Lady. In this episode, we've got a monster movie review, the five-room dungeon, RPG prompts, and commentary. And we'll get things started just as soon as I see what these damned munchkins want. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Doc Cross, and I am recording this on the Friday of Labor Day weekend. So I will hope that you all have or had a great weekend. I expect mine will have a little bit of grilling, uh, maybe a couple of beers in violation of my diet, some doing things around the house, and mostly not doing a whole hell of a lot. And that includes gaming. Because once again, for I think the third time in a row, my gaming group, my D&D pizza group, has not been able to get their schedules together. And it doesn't look like we'll have it together for next weekend. So I'm not sure if Kathy will be able to finish the last two episodes in her story arc for the Firefly game before I have to start the revival of our D&D game. I might put off the revival a little bit, let her squeeze in those two story arcs. Anyway, that's about what's going on here. But now it's time to thank my patrons over on Patreon for their help supporting first the blog, now the podcast. Actually, the blog is going to have a little bit of a revival. I might be talking about that uh, next episode. I'm not sure. Anyway, thank you, David. Thank you, Avis. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Jame. Thank you, Marion. And thank you, Mark. You all are the best, and I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. Now we move on to the monster movie review that we do every Monday. And of the four giant human movies that I'm going to be doing in this particular set, I've already done two. We are doing, I think, really the worst. It's Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. It's a 1958 independently made American science fiction horror film directed by Nathan H. Duran. And it stars Allison Hayes as the titular 50-Foot Woman, William Hudson, and Yvette Vickers. It was produced by Bernard Woolmer. The screenplay was written by Mark Hanna. And the original score was composed by Ronald Stein. That's probably one of the best parts of the whole movie. The film was distributed by Allied Artists here in the United States as a double feature with War of the Satellites, which I have seen, but I don't remember it all, so probably a real memorable double feature there. This is actually a short movie, which is merciful. The original movie ran 66 minutes. The one they show on television runs 75 minutes, because they put in a long printed crawl at the beginning and the end. They repeat some sequences. They have hold frames designed to optically lengthen the film's running time. And basically they add, you know, nine minutes to a crappy film. The film's storyline is pretty much a wealthy heiress who's got a piece of shit for a husband, has a close encounter with an enormous alien in his round spacecraft, 
and then she grows into a giant. Um, it complicates her marriage, which was crap anyway, because like I said, her husband's a piece of shit. And the actual attack comes in the last few minutes of the movie. The special effects are nothing to write home about. This movie has some sort of cult status, and I really don't know why. I remember my friends and I used to watch CPM Theater, which Channel 3 from Sacramento had every Saturday. I think it came on around 2 o'clock, ran for a couple hours, showed you know the horror movies, the science fiction movies, a lot of science fiction. And this movie was hyped. They hyped everything all week. Oh, this Saturday on CPM Theater, it's this movie or that movie, and Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. So, you know, we're all kind of interested in seeing it. And I remember at school, the next Monday, everybody was like, did you see it? Yeah. It wasn't much of an attack, was it? She was just like a few minutes at the end. So, yeah, not a great movie. They did make a remake. And they have made a couple of parodies, Attack of the 50-Foot Cheerleader, you know, Attack of the 50-Foot Porn Star. Now, the remake of this movie, which starred Daryl Hannah, and I think came out either in the early or mid-90s, it was much better. It's a lot better. A lot better special effects, as you would imagine. And just a whole better movie. So if you're going to watch Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, I suggest you watch the original and then watch the Daryl Hannah version. Uh, it, Yeah, just a better movie. And like I say, of the four giant human movies, this is tied for the worst and probably is the worst, even though the next one I do, The Cyclops, is pretty piss poor. Anyway, that's Monster Movie Review for this episode, and we'll have another one next Monday. And now we move on to the five-room dungeon, which is actually the road to nowhere. And as you'll remember, in the last room, which was a small town, they fought tons and tons and tons of zombies, all kinds of zombies. Well, this time, assuming they have destroyed all the zombies, which you should probably have them do somehow, they find that the town has a lot of stuff in it because everybody turned into zombies apparently all at once. So all the people's money and jewelry, maybe a few low-level magic items, um, a few weapons, uh, all sorts of stuff, you know, pots, pans, all kinds of stuff is still here in this town. So all they have to do is work around the chunks of dead zombie that they've cut off as they were killing them. And they can find all sorts of stuff. Now, how much of anything they find is up to the individual uh, dungeon master or game master. But the one thing they should find, because remember, room five is reward, revelation, or plot twist. In this one, there's not so much of a plot twist unless you want to put one in. But the revelation is that they find a bunch of old maps. And at least one of those maps will have some pretty interesting stuff on it. So you can use one or more maps to shoot them off on a new quest or or just show them new unexplored lands or cities or whatever. And that's really all there is to this room. These fifth rooms often don't have a lot going on for them unless there's a big plot twist, and this one doesn't have it. Next time, we'll start a new five-room dungeon, and 
this one might even be an actual dungeon. I don't know. You'll have to tune in next time. Now it's time for RPG prompts, where I do three prompts from the 2020-2019 RPG A Day prompts, because that's back when they had just a single word. Before that, they had full sentences, and I haven't gotten around to porting those over to my word processor. Anyway, our first prompt here is idea. Now, I have ideas all the time. My imagination never shuts off. So I get ideas for games. I get ideas for characters. I get ideas for plot twists in games I'm running. I get ideas for new NPCs. I get ideas for monsters. Constantly get ideas. And as a player, you get ideas too. But as a player, you're maybe not thinking so far ahead. And your ideas are often dictated by whatever the hell it is the dungeon master or the game master throws at you. But ideas, they are part and parcel to role-playing games, especially if you're a game master. The next prompt is guide. Now, a lot of games, a lot of, and I'm talking about fantasy games here, they don't seem to ever have guides. It's just the party goes hauling ass off into the unexplored wilderness or a dungeon or a city or whatever, and there's nobody to guide them around. And I think that's a very underused thing. Partly because having a guide allows you to sort of keep them on track. And heaven knows, keeping players on track is a full-time job. And part of it is that the guide can be an interesting NPC. Maybe the guide is strictly on the up and up. You pay him, he guides you to where you want to go, everything's cool. Maybe the guide's a little shifty. Maybe your enemies got to him first and said, hey, when you're guiding them there, maybe, you know, lead them off the track so we can get to the dungeon or whatever first. Maybe the guide is not a really good guide. I had a friend years ago who hired a hunting guide. He wanted to go elk hunting up in Montana. And the guide was not so great. I mean, my friend got his elk and everything, but it was more... It, despite the guide instead of because of him. So there's a lot of things you could do with guides, and I think they should be used more often. Finally, we come to share. And that's really what RPGs are about, is sharing. They are a shared experience. You're sharing and creating a story. You will eventually share memories and stories about the games you've played. Sometimes. People will write books or adventures or whatnot to share their ideas, maybe even share in a place or an adventure that they actually ran and they've converted it over for some system. So sharing, huge part of role-playing and should be promoted as much as you can. And that's our three prompts for this episode. We'll have three more next time. And I'm still working on those full sentences, and we'll see how that goes. Our commentary this time is something I think I've mentioned before, and I know a lot of people who are way more knowledgeable about the situation have written about online and social media, blogs, things like that. But I'm going to cover it anyway. It's shipping. 
Shipping is a shitstorm now, folks. There are tons and tons, like 40-odd boats full of cargo backed up in Long Beach, California, at the port there. There are ships backed up in China. There are ships backed up. It's less of a problem on the East Coast ports, but still not great. Um, And a lot of ordinary folks don't understand what this is all about, and it's really simple. When cargo comes to this country, then it's dropped off and empty containers are put on the ships and they go back. Well, we don't have enough empty containers going back. And that backs things up. There's also a labor shortage because, yes, COVID wrecked the uh, workforce. There's things going on in China that mess with their uh, labor. There are the fact that shipping has become incredibly expensive, incredibly expensive. The price of a shipping container has jumped up five, six, seven times what it used to be. And if you're a small company and you've got one container and you need it over here, there are people being told in China, yeah, your your stuff won't leave for another, you know, two years because we're so backed up. Uh, If you're lucky, you only have to wait a year. Now, if you're a big company and you can absorb this expense, that's well and good. If you're a small company, you're fucked. And a lot of small companies are going to shut down and go out of business because of this. But when you go into your store, and this applies beyond gaming. This applies to a lot of things that are coming over from China and wherever. And you see empty shelves. It doesn't mean that there's been a big run on something. It means that it's just not coming to this country. It's, it's like I said, it's a shitstorm. Uh, nobody really knows how long it's going to last. Let's not forget that greed plays a huge part of it. You know, if you're a guy shipping stuff and you can get seven times what you used to get, yeah, odds are you're not going to be lowering your prices anytime soon. Humans are greedy. So when you go into a store and you don't see a game or you don't see dice or you don't see something in a supermarket or a Home Depot or wherever it is you're going shopping, it doesn't necessarily mean that a lot of people are buying it. It means that they can't get it. And because there are no empty shipping containers going back, there aren't as many cargo ships coming over, there aren't as many ships leaving port, it's a big catch-22 circle. And since I'm harping on this right now, let me address something that a lot of people say when other people start talking about shipping shortages. Oh, we need to ramp up American manufacturing. That ain't gonna happen, folks. Not gonna happen. First of all, ramping up American manufacturing would take years, maybe decades. Secondly, the people who make stuff and have it made in China and brought here and then sell it, they're not going to do it because Americans are expensive. Europeans are expensive. Asians, still cheap. There is no way anybody is going to have something that can come from China and cost them, even with shipping, on $100. 
there's no way they're going to make it in America and have it cost $300 or $400. So ramping up American manufacturing on a large scale, not going to happen. On a small scale, that's something else. If I were somebody making dice, I might say to myself, you know, I think I'll buy maybe another 20 molds and I'll buy me a shitload of resin and I'll see where this goes. If I'm somebody, a small company making games, I'm thinking, you know, print on demand, PDFs, probably a better way to go because China's going to screw me. Although it's not specifically China screwing them. It's China, it's the United States, it's the whole world situation, it's COVID. But yeah, if you're a small company, maybe manufacture yourself as best you can. Anyway, folks, that's my take on the shipping shortages shitstorm. There are much better informed people out there talking about it. You can get a much better idea by reading stuff by John Nephew from Atlas Games, Phil Reed from Steve Jackson Games, and any number of people talking about it. And it doesn't have to be gamers, but yeah, you can read lots of good stuff about why shipping sucks. And that's it for this episode's commentary. Now we come to the point where I thank you all, and I do thank you for listening, and I thank you for supporting me if you do that in any way, shape, or form. If you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, I can be reached on Facebook, where I'm Doc Cross, on WordPress at the Docverse blog, via email at agentroscoe at gmail.com, or if you're listening via Anchor, you can leave a voicemail. If you'd like to support me via Patreon and hear these podcasts two weeks before they go up on Anchor and get some cool PDFs that I've got up on the Patreon and hear mini podcasts, I mean, just a lot of stuff, go to www.patreon.com forward slash dot cross and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. What a deal. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast or advertise on it, get in touch with me by any of the methods I just mentioned, and I will bend over backwards to work something out with you. Actually, I won't bend over backwards because I'm old, i got a bad back, and I'm fat. But you know what I mean. Our intro music for this entire month is Boogie Woogie Bed by Jason Shaw off of Audionautics.com. As we have heard time and time again, This podcast and everything on it, except the music, is copyright 2021 by Doc Cross. And don't you forget it.